All righty, everybody. Good morning. Saturday morning. And uh, it's official. Football season has ended. And uh, we have begun preparation for the 2021 season. Wiz, good morning to you. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing well. Looking forward to uh, now uh, a lot of player movement in the upcoming NFL draft. And uh, excited about that. How about yourself? Yeah, look, player movement's already started, right? Like, you know, what's going on in Houston, I don't know what that's going to look at, look like when we get to um, the start of the NFL season in uh, in September. But, <laughs> I mean, J.J. Watt, you know, I thought it was pretty clear that he was kind of nearing the end of his career, um, you know, with the Texans. And, and he's going to become a more specialized player from here, right? And I think, uh, you know, maybe he plays with his brothers. Uh, perhaps there's other teams that could use his services in um, in, a, in a diminished fashion where where he's on the field for somewhere between a third or half the plays. So so it's begun down in Houston. And I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing, obviously, we've talked about this uh, extensively so far, is, you know, where, where does Deshaun Watson end up uh, playing quarterback in the 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a it's a fantastic opportunity for him. I mean, I don't know, I, you know, <clears throat> conventional wisdom is he'll go play with his brothers, but if he wants to really, you know, ha- have that chance to win a championship and Kansas City and Buffalo come calling, um, you may have to want to consider that. So we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. I mean. Obviously, it's all starting from scratch for the Texans, and uh, <clears throat> apparently they're going to stick their ground, or stick with their ground, you know their heels in the ground that dug in uh, in terms of Deshaun Watson, and they're not even considering offers. So it appears that uh, the next quarterback to be moved will be Carson Wentz, uh, most likely, and then uh, and then and then we'll see how it goes. But it, it just seems with each passing day. It potentially looks uglier and uglier for Deshaun Watson and that Dak Prescott situation in Dallas as well. Which I, which is really hard to believe. And, and, you know, again, Wiz and I here this morning are really doing a little bit of a recap on, on the 2020 season, you know, how how we kind of thought things were, were going to go and, and players that we liked and, and, and didn't like and, and how things panned out. And, you know, we'll, 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 we will start off at the quarterback position. I, I think it's pretty interesting, you know, talking about Watson and, and talking about Prescott here. So if we look at Watson, you know, I, I was super skeptical about Watson coming into the year. I really hated Bill O'Brien uh, as both a general manager and even more so as a football coach. I had mentioned numerous times that a, a team with the talent that they had in 2019, that was when uh, Hopkins was still a member of the team, only scored, and Watson at the quarterback position, only scored over 30 points in a single game in the entire season. And how that can happen, how you as a head coach can allow that to happen with the talent that you had on that football team is beyond me. And he was clearly the, the problem in Houston. And obviously he made lousy trades, terrible decisions uh, all the way along trying to trying to act as both a GM and a coach. And it really impacted the player. He did turn it around. I was, I was skeptical of him. The thing about Prescott, you know, look, I don't understand the game that's being played with ownership and Prescott. Um, I think if, if Dak Prescott didn't get hurt this year and, you know, Wiz, you were bang on in 2019 when it came to Prescott's performance – ended up being a top five performer. If he doesn't get hurt this year, 
with the defense that the Dallas Cowboys had, with the division that they were playing in, with the if we take a look back at that schedule that they played, I don't know what kind of numbers that Dak Prescott would have put up. I mean, he was averaging, as far as fantasy goes, I think over 40 points a game when he went down in, in week five. Uh, and, and the numbers that those receivers would have put up with him at quarterback, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he could have broken all kinds of records in the NFL this year had he not been injured. So I don't quite understand. Now, yeah. look, this is an offensive line that's beat up in Dallas. They, they've had a lot of changes there. But I'm not quite sure what this dynamic is between ownership and, and, and Prescott himself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he uh, threw for, he was getting close to 2,000 yards in less than five games. Uh, he had three rushing touchdowns as well, like nine touchdown passes. Uh, yeah, he would have been on an unbelievable streak. It just seems like they're not quite sure if he's a, you know, a, a quarterback that is going to lead them to championships. And uh, I just don't understand the money aspect of it because they're paying him by tagging him every year, they're paying him these outlandish amounts anyhow. So it just seems like, you know, it, this could be headed in the in the same way as Kirk Cousins, where you tag him and tag him and he's making all of his money, and then he goes to another team and he signs a tremendous contract, and then he's like the highest-paid quarterback in the history of football. So um, I'm not sure what the Cowboys are doing, to be honest with you. You know, I think I think a quarterback. You know, when we take a step back, and um, you know, I mean, a lot of this is looking forward to next year. But you know, even even the situation that's going on all of a sudden in Seattle. Uh, you know, we've talked about moving parts at the quarterback position. You know, coming into this coming season, and all of a sudden there are teams inquiring from the Seattle Seahawks about the availability of Russell Wilson, and we know that Russell Wilson. Basically played two different seasons this year. There was the first seven or you know seven to nine games where he's putting up and he's cooking and all this kind of stuff, and then the the offense completely collapses. He makes some commentary around decision making. Ownership's a little bit pissed off. It'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out um, for the coming season. But you know we want to focus on kind of what we thought coming into the season. And, and again, I'll, I'll start here with, with with a player like Watson. I was kind of off to the player. I didn't like the coaching. I was very concerned about the receivers here staying healthy but actually at the end of the day when 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 Bill O'Brien got removed from this situation it ended up being a clear path and the fact that those receivers overall stayed healthy until that suspension of Will Fuller this was actually an offense on a week in week out basis that you know and a quarterback that you could really count on yeah I mean as far as you know the way I looked at the quarterback situation coming into the year you know, you just felt like you had some of the obvious reliable, you know, choices, uh, you know, th- that they were going to be solid, you know, the Tannehills and the uh, Matt Ryans of the world. And, you know, but a couple of things about being right and wrong, um, you know, I just didn't see – I did not see Josh Allen making this transformation in terms of accuracy and and, and making that jump and his athletic ability. And I guess I just didn't take into consideration how much digs was going to mean to him, uh, you know, and uh, that combination was, was unstoppable. And you have to feel like, you know, going forward that Allen and Mahomes, uh, you know, are going to be leading that way. And 
pending with Sean Watson and Kyla Murray. And uh, even though I, I, I'm, I'm a little dubious about Kyla Murray, uh, you have to feel that those are the players that just can do it all. I mean, uh, you know, Josh Allen has that running game, but he, he also can, can wing the ball all over the field. But the, the, the one Arab player that I felt I was right about was I just, and we talked about this, I just didn't understand why Lamar Jackson was being ranked as the number one quarterback um, overall. And I think I mentioned this a few times he was undervalued coming into 2019 and overvalued coming into 2020. And I know he was hurt, but I'm not looking at like total points because some players don't play all the games. I'm looking at points per, you know, fantasy points per games and, and they played. And, uh, uh, I don't even think, uh, I don't even think Lamar Jackson was in the top 10 in terms of fantasy points per game, or if he was, he was just about a 10. So yeah, that's I correct. He was, he, I think he was number nine, actually. Yeah. So you're, you're right. Yeah, so he was right. He was very, very 10. So I didn't understand how he was ranked as the number one fantasy quarterback going to the year. I, I, I was against that. I know you were in a league where your partner was begging you to take him with your number one overall pick. Yeah, over Mahomes. Yeah, that was correct. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. So, <laughs> and yeah, so I, you know, I, I just think going into next year, uh, you know, just take, you know, trying to do like a thing where we're talking about, you know, how we analyze and and, and just moving forward a little bit of the position is that there's a there's a lot of uncertainty, and aside from like the players I mentioned, you know, the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, the stuff going on with some of these quarterbacks that there's a little bit of uncertainty at the position with the player movement, the landing spots. Some quarterbacks are really another year older than Matt Ryan, the the Tom Brady's again, even the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's a question, you know, I, I'm assuming that Drew Brees is, is, is going to retire, even though there's some, you know, talks that he may come, try and come back for another year, but it just seems like the quarterback position, there's, a, there's for the first time in, in a while, <clears throat> there's a little bit of uncertainty at the position. I think. Yeah, I think the one thing, you know, going back to your point about Jackson, and 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 I think it's still very clear with this player, and, and nobody's doubting, you know, how exciting he can be in certain games, that running ability when that team gets going, but. I think at the end of the day, what he's shown you consistently is that when this team does get behind, that it's a real challenge for him to compete and get his team back in the ball game with his arm. I think I, I, we've seen this repeatedly. Uh, you know, we saw it in the postseason in 2018. I think we saw it a little bit in 2019, and and obviously the Titans uh, stopped him in 2019 in, in the playoffs there. Yes, he was hurt a little bit this year, COVID, that impact, but but he was off to a really slow start. And I think, you know, again, whether it's the receiver talent that they have, we know they have a pretty good tight end in Andrews. Their running back core is is excellent. Um, there's going to be some changes on that offensive line, so that's something to watch. But I, I just think Lamar Jackson as a passer – you're just not going to get you – you're not going to have the confidence that your team can come back if you're down by 17 points and Lamar Jackson is at the helm. That's just that's just my personal feeling. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think that's right. And, uh, you know, you just got the feeling like with the combination of drafting Dobbins and the amount of times he ran is that, you know, I don't know. They just, you just got the feel of it that he, he, he wasn't going to run as many times a game and – 
if that was going to be the case, I think some value was going to be lost. So I thought the the, the value, the ranking, the, the, the positioning of Lamar Jackson was way off coming to the season. Like I said, undervalued going into 2019 and overvalued um, coming into this season. And, uh, and I did not have Lamar Jackson in the league. I had zero equity in Lamar Jackson. I just felt like he was going way too early in snake drafts and being priced way too high in auction drafts. So um, I just, I, I just felt like, uh, you know, that that's the thing about these players, you know, that are ranked one or two at their position. It's tough to draft them. And if it doesn't go well to have a good season, because, you know, you're really, you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're really hanging your hat on those players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, look, I, I look forward to like the one thing we could be excited about was was in this season was the play of the rookie quarterbacks. Unfortunately, Burrow getting hurt. And I think that's something that you know we're going to have to watch out for because that offensive line has some holes. Um, but Herbert was really amazing this year as a starting quarterback. I mean, just just stepping in after that crazy incident with Tyrod Taylor. Just just a, just a, just an unbelievable season for him. Yeah, I think you know absolutely. He he's got the look of um, if they could just keep him healthy and protect him. He, he's you know got the look and, and the feel of someone who uh, is going to be a terrific passer for years to come. And uh, and there looks to be, in my opinion, five quarterbacks that will be taken um, in the first round of this upcoming draft. So it's kind of like a real transformation these last three or four years of these young quarterbacks kind of like, you know, moving in there and, uh, and, and those guys that we've always relied on over the years, as far as fantasy goes, kind of like becoming a little bit older and uh, some retiring and with rivers and breeze and some of these quarterbacks a little bit older. And uh, there's a real transformation of the position and uh, between the five rookies that I believe are going to be taken in the first round, the rookie quarterbacks that have been taken the last couple of years, and the player movement at the position with the veteran quarterbacks. The quarterback position for the first time in a long time is going to be a little bit tricky, I think, coming into the 2021 fantasy season. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you know, heading into running back, and, you know, a lot happened at running back this year um, where – if you were an owner of one of those top guys, aside from a few of them, because of the injuries that mounted this year, I think it was a really, really challenging year. And, and I think coming into this year, I think decisions are going to have to be made by owners. And I think it's the most fragile position in football. We've talked about this a lot. I, I actually, there are some leagues where I literally don't care about the running back position. I think particularly in in PPR leagues, you can you can play it much different. But I think this this past season will leave a lot of scars on owners about what took place at the running back position and how people will think about that as we go into the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the 2020 draft, the top three or four picks in in every snake draft just about and I, I don't know what the percentage is but i w- i would say it, it's probably above 95 percent the first three or four players taken were christian mccaffrey saquon barkley ezekiel elliott and even uh clyde edwards alaire 
who was getting a lot of hype, and maybe he was a top three pick in a lot of them. Maybe he wasn't. But certainly those three first picks were, were consumed by those four players, and that was just ended up being a complete disaster. McCaffrey only played a handful of games. Again, Saquon Barkley had a season-ending injury. Elliott was hurt, didn't play well, fumble issues, uh, a, a terrible season, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, was certainly not worthy of a pick that early. So I know you talk about this a lot at the running back position, but uh, for those people that you know went with those running backs that early and their auction draft paid up to get e- any of those players, um, you didn't really get a lot of value for your pick. No, not at all. Not at all. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, the one thing that we did, uh, well, at least I can, I think we both felt very strongly about these older running backs, uh, people that were talking about the Gurleys, the David Johnsons, the Le'Veon Bells. You just got to put that kind of noise away um, when it comes to the running back position. It's got to be these younger guys uh, getting the opportunity. I think the one thing that's very clear also, uh, I think this is uh, applicable to both the running back and receiver position, where a lot of these players, maybe not in the case of Clyde Zolaire, who was probably over overhyped uh, coming into the season, but the fact of the matter is the college game is changing. These players are playing in more pro systems. They're more pro-ready. I think we probably need to elevate, uh, especially the more talented players, uh, in terms of the impact that they're going to have uh, especially at the start of their careers. And I think they're undervalued coming into these drafts. I think that's something that we should pay closer attention to. But, you know, I'm not going to draft older running backs. That is something that I'm going to completely stay away from. We were very headstrong about that coming into this year, about guys like like, like the players that I had mentioned. Yeah, I mean, to me, the one position that the game slows down for and gets easier um, is running back from year one to two. That that's the jump where you come in and for a rookie running back, there's a lot of things. I mean, it, it's not just you know for receiver, it's just a little bit different. The running back, it's about blitz pickups, it's about audibles, it's about you know knowing where to be if the play goes in. You know, he changes from an RPO to a, to from a run to a pass. It's it's it is a lot of different elements to the game, and the speed of the game is just sometimes overwhelming as a rookie, and it slows down. And when you look at David Montgomery, and I think this is a player that I liked, um, and he struggled. He really struggled. The offense struggled. He struggled, but he looked like a different guy in year two. And I'm telling you, when I look at these rookie running backs who are going to go into the year two, and I think most of these players are actually better running backs than David Montgomery. And I'll just give the quick list because I I just have nine that I've already written down. Cam Akers, Zach Moss, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Dillon, and 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 Robinson from the Jags, James Robinson. I think as far as you know, this is very very early, and of course, but I think this is going to be from where I am going to attack 
my draft next year amongst those second-year players, and those are the players that I'm going to look to get. And uh, if people want to pay up, you know, for the Derrick Henrys and the Kamaras and, you know, still some of those, you know, guys like um, McCaffrey and Elliott and Barkley, that's fine. But this is the, where I'm going to attack my drafts next year. The second-year running backs where the game slows down and they're all talented, and a lot of them just showed – even as the season was going on this year, even in their rookie year, that they were getting better and better and better. And uh, I expect tremendous things from several, if not most of those second-year running backs. Next yeah, year. yeah, that cla- like that class, when you think about and, and we talked about this, if you remember, in like week six, seven, we, we started to talk about, you know, again, no preseason this year. It takes time to get used to things, right? And we really, I think we were very early on a lot of these guys um, in terms of Dobbins, Swift, and we saw how Antonio Gibson really came on as the season went on. Remember that explosive game he had uh, on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys before uh, before that injury? But But this was a super talented, you know, the wide receiver class got a lot of attention this particular year because there was so many, um, so many rookie wide receivers, about 37 or 38 drafted, I think, this year. But it actually, when you really look at some of these running backs, the performances of these guys were just really terrific uh, this year and, and really lays the foundation for uh, for the coming season. Uh, you know, one, one thing I want to ask you, was because two guys that kind of – uh, two guys that kind of concern me that I actually had very high hopes for this year, and 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 now things are kind of shifted, and and my mentality has shifted on the players. Um, so so we get a guy like like uh, Jacobs and a guy like Miles Sanders, who we had very high expectations for coming into the season. We know. I think the usage in, in Las Vegas is very questionable on how they use uh, Jacobs. Plus, he has the DUI at the end of the season. The Eagles going to look completely different on offense coming into the year, uh, coming into this next year. You know, what do you think about players like that? Because those were second-year players that we were really counting on didn't didn't evolve. You know, is will those guys be deeply discounted enough that they'll that that you know would attract you to them? What, what's kind of your view on players like that? Yeah, I mean Jacobs was 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 valued in a lot of these drafts. Certainly, you know, he he was so ranked, you know, between top five and top seven. So he was another player that was, boy, he he, he was like baked into the cake, like he was going to be an elite guy. So it all depends on the rankings. I'm I'm just you know a little concerned about Miles Sanders being able to stay on the field and the usage. Of Josh Jacobs, it just doesn't seem right to me. I'm not sure I, I really like what's going on there. I, I you know, then now the off the field stuff. So I, I'm a little dubious about it. I, I'm, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm going in there with a mentality of Julio Jones or Todd Gurley, where I'm just not going to take the player unless something incredibly happens, where they just fall off the face of the earth and you just get them at at a ridiculous price or or round in a, in a snake draft i'm not going to go in with that mentality on on jacobs and miles sanders but i am going to take the wait and see approach and see where they're valued and you know it's not like i'm totally against them but it's not like i'm going to be having to you know they're going to be on my must draft list i'm going to be looking at these second year running backs uh ahead of those guys I'll tell you one guy who I'm not going near near next year with a ten foot pole. I, I just don't like anything I saw. We talked about the guy playing 
you know, behind him, and that's and that's Ezekiel Elliott. That that's that's a player I will not own in any single league. I'm going to state that right here, right now, on February 13th. I will not own Ezekiel Elliott in any league next year. Yeah, and I, and, and Ezekiel Elliott's one of those guys that you know, no matter what happened last year, no matter you know how you know he injured and how bad he looked and the fumble issues. He'll be ranked as a top three, five guy going into next season uh, as well, uh, you know, and, and that's that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a problem, uh, you know. I just I, I I'm with you on that. That's a player that um, I don't see me drafting in in in, in leagues because I'm just not going to reach up to try and get a player like that. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the wide receiver position where. Um... I emphatically stated at the start of the year that I thought Kenny Galladay would be the best receiver in fantasy football. Whoops. Um, that was a complete disaster. Uh, again, injuries were the biggest part of that. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, he never got back on the field. I think you felt that he didn't get back on the field, not so much that he was hurt, but he, you thought it was more of a contractual situation. So now we have a situation where, you know, a player like that is, is going to be dealing with a new quarterback. So I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, I think you, Wiz and I were pretty emphatic about liking some of these rookies for sure. I know you were a big uh, Lamb fan, and, and he looks uh, uh, he looks like uh, – CeeDee Lamb looks like he's going to be just a tremendous player. I know how happy you were after the draft last year when, when Justin Jefferson was a Minnesota Viking. Boy, the Eagles really dropped the ball on that one. Not that just, Justin Rager is, is a bad player. Jalen Rager is a bad player. It's just that I think Jefferson is going to be – you know, there's a chance that Jefferson is, is ranked as, I don't know, a top seven guy next year coming into the draft. One guy that we you – know, both Wiz and I – you know, we we implored people stay away from Julio Jones. Uh, we'll continue to do that. I think the biggest surprise of all, though, coming into this year is how high Mike Michael Thomas was ranked after his amazing 2019 season, and the fact between injuries and all the other stuff that was going on there, uh, he just could not get it straight for the entire season for this New Orleans Saints. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, if you just look at the upcoming draft, what it's going to look like, um, I'll be honest with you. I think if you are in a draft and then take a three-hour nap during the draft, you could probably wake up and end up with three, four really good receivers on your team, no matter what. I am looking at this receiver list, guys that stepped up, rookies that will improve, rookies that are going to be drafted this year, veterans, um, guys that maybe struggled because of poor quarterback play. And it's a deep, deep list of tremendous talent. And uh, it's a position that, you know, I just think um, – you're going to, you're going to do well at the position, even if you're patient. And, um, and of course, you know, players like Allen Robinson to see where, where he could end up. He ended up being like a top seven, eight guy, um, this year, or certainly within the top 10. And then if he ends up with a good landing spot, his ranking could, could move up as well. And you, you mentioned the, <clears throat> the Justin Jeffersons and all of these young guys and, um, <clears throat> I just think that the position is absolutely loaded. A guy like Terry McLaurin, if he got himself 
a top quarterback in there, um, that player as well. And the Ram duo kind of a little off this year, but now with Stafford, Cup, and and, uh, and Robert Woods. I mean, the, the position, and you know, I know you talked about Brandon Ayuk and 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 and, and players like that. I mean, this, this this position is just absolutely loaded with talent in it. It's a position that I am not going to worry about at all coming into the 2021 season. You know, it's interesting. Uh, yes, Ayuk's a guy that I think I, I'll, I'll be targeting all over the place next year. The funny thing about Ayuk is he, he played with three different quarterbacks last year. Now, granted, I, I, you know, both Samuel and, and uh, Kittle were hurt periodically in the second half of the season, but he found a way to produce no matter who was at quarterback, which I, you know, which I think if they get some consistency in this, at the position and both of us think that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be the quarterback there, who ends up being the quarterback. If it's a Matt Ryan there, that combination sounds extremely enticing, but I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. It's the deepest position by far. Um, I like your analogy about falling asleep, but I think there are guys that will be ranked kind of between, you know, 25 and 40 who could easily, uh, you know, switch around with guys that are ranked in, in that kind of 12 to 25 range. And, and you could easily switch players around from from both of those uh, regions of, of, of the of the draft boards that we go uh, in, into the 2021 season with. Many, many players who are going to be ranked outside the top 30 can end up being wide receiver one. That's how locked and loaded that position is. And even a player like Corey Davis, um, he gets himself into a different situation. Who who knows, like Kansas City or something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 between the player movement and some of these young, younger players, uh, T. Higgins had it going on with Joe Burrow uh, before Joe Burrow got hurt. Um, there's no reason to believe that that can't continue in his uh, sophomore season. And the Cowboy trio always, you know, rock solid. And just so many, so many receivers. And you mentioned um, you mentioned Samuel on the 49ers, but Curtis Samuel on Carolina uh was really coming on and they kind of that 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 innovative uh new offense that they have in there with their coaching staff and uh an offensive coordinator really utilized him in a different way and they just it's just one of many many players uh Robbie Anderson <laughs> certainly leaving the Jets look like a different guy so um there's just 40 50 good receivers and um it's just such a, a deep position loaded with quality up and down. I'll give you an amazing stat. Um, you, you mentioned the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. They all averaged the same exact amount of fantasy points per week. Um, I yep. thought, I, I thought, you know, in the beginning of the season, Robbie Anderson was the guy that kind of took over. I think the most consistent guy kind of throughout the season was probably DJ Moore, but, but probably the less flashy of those three guys but the games that the second half of the season, the games that Curtis Curtis Samuel had to have been a top five to ten receiver in the second half of the season in the NFL. I have to take a close look at it, but he had to have been. He was he was that good in the second half of the season this year. No, he 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 really was, and it, it wasn't you know where it started just becoming uh, you know gimmicky. I mean uh, uh, from from week. Uh, 
from week 11 to week 17, 8 for 70, 5 for 70, 7 for 70, 4 for 42, 5 for 106, 7 for 118. Um, that's a pretty good sample size. That's six games uh, to end the year. Um, he was he he was terrific. Uh, really, just being used as a receiver. So um, it just goes to show you that position is 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 just a lot of depth, and uh, it's just not a position that I, I don't think that you really need to 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 worry about. Because to your point, is true that there are receivers outside the top twenty-five, even as far back as forty to fifty. Uh, that can land themselves in wide receiver one territory. So just a terrific position. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So why don't you uh, why why don't you start us off at tight end and and kind of you know in looking back, it was a strange year at tight end. Obviously, Kelsey was so dominant, um, and, and right right next to him was Waller. And after that, mm-hmm. it became a little bit more of a murkier situation. So why don't you kind of kick it off at the tight end position? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, coming into next year, it'll be a little bit differently. Um, I think that, you know, the top three guys, Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller, will be in a group by themselves, and rightfully so. And then, you know, those other guys, um, you know, Ertz and Andrews, I think are like now, you know, depending on what happens with, you know, Ertz. And I think kind of Andrews, is in the more in the grouping with uh, T.J. Hawkinson, Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan, um, Gesicki. Uh, so I think you know that's how it's going to be. Those three guys, and then you know a group of five, six, seven tight ends. But the, the, you know there are, there are a few interesting things at the position. You mentioned T.J. Hawkinson losing that connection with Stafford. You're a little concerned about Gesicki and his ability to stay on the field. Um, Noah Font, you know, just you know had some had some terrific games. I just wish Drew Locke was 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 more accurate. But I'll tell you, the one guy that I think has a real chance to continue to ascend is Robert Tanyan of Green Bay, and um, the very the interesting stat on him was 52 catches on only 59 targets. And that's showing you a few things. One, he doesn't drop any passes. Two, when Aaron Rodgers throws in the ball, it ends up in a catch. And once you start getting that confidence from Aaron Rodgers, and he's good with throwing you the ball, there's a real chance for a tremendous upside with the player. So, um, while there's a group of players that I think are interesting after those top three that are good, um, I'm really going to be looking at Robert Tanya in there because I think he is now um, have has the confidence of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I will mention one other player that we both like, and I just want to get your view on this. Is Dallas Goddard starting to get into this range of where you can't trust him? with being able to stay on the field, or are you going to say, yeah, you know, those injuries could happen. I'm still going to put him in that group or maybe even leading that group, especially if Zach Ertz moves on. 
Uh, you know, I, I think there's just too much talent there. Yes, he, he's had a couple of injuries, different things that have happened to him, no question about it. But I think the situation, if Ertz is removed, would just make it too enticing for fantasy owners to stay away from. I, I personally, you know, still think he's a, he's a terrific talent. But, you know, fragility is a concern. Uh, to me, Irv Smith Jr. Is, is the most intriguing guy, guy coming into this year uh, in terms of what I see. Now, granted, he has two excellent receivers that he plays alongside with and a really outstanding running back in, in Dalvin Cook. But he just, he just at the end of the year, with no Rudolph on the field, I mean, he became quite a dominant force. So I, I really like that player. I think, I, I think Logan Thomas, with how he finished the season, and how many targets he was getting. This is a guy who never played tight end before. And, and you know, he's going to get better. And he didn't even – he played with four or five quarterbacks this year. So those are kind of guys that I'm looking at. But Goddard's still going to be very much on my radar. Um, I know what you're saying about the injuries, but the talent the talent is too, uh, is too good to ignore. Yeah, I mean, you know – yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and especially if he – has you know all of it to himself and Ertz moves on so you have to keep your situation you know keep keep that um keep that in mind as far as uh as far as go you know and then there were some guys that you know were hurt I mean there was a real talk that OJ Howard was going to explode with Tom Brady and then once again he got hurt and then it just ended up being Gronk and Brady and I know the darling of the fantasy football community, a tight end in the preseason was Chris Herndon. I know you were just, you know, wild about that player um, as well. And just, just, just a complete no show. So, you know, what do you, what do you do with players like that? I mean, do they, are they so far off the radar that if you could just take them in the last round of the draft that you could get the, you know, get value for a player like that. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he he did have a poor season, no question about it. He did find a little success at the very end of the year. I, I don't know how much of that is due to play calling. I don't know how much of that is due to confidence. You know, because I think a, you know young players can lose confidence very very quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I think there'll be there's always at the, especially at the tight end position, right? At the end of drafts, there's going to be a bunch of tight ends going for one dollar. It's just that's or, or 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 going at the very end of a snake draft, right? And and we know they're going to be out there and they're going to be out there again. And you know, you mentioned a guy like Tanya. You know, Tanya wasn't even probably drafted in most leagues this year. You know, people were waiting right. to see. People were waiting waiting to see what happened. I think there's always opportunity that pops up. There's always players that show up. I think I look at a guy like John Smith, right? Uh, in, in for Tennessee, he was predicted to be a very high, uh, you know, a very high performer at tight end this year. But he was so touchdown dependent, uh, especially with Davis kind of really coming on at receiver. That that you know, if you didn't get a touchdown on John Smith, you know, he wasn't getting you know five to six catches in a game. Just wasn't playing out that way. So I think there's always time at tight end. You you, you can wait. You can almost wait and see how things develop early in the season. I think using the waiver wire at tight end, it, it looks to be a very successful because a lot of these players we just mentioned, the Thomases, the Tanyans, they, they were waiver wire picks that became <clears throat> integral parts of people's uh, fantasy success. 
you know, and, and a guy who's going to be exactly in that situation, who I'm keeping an eye on is my second tight end in leagues where, you know, you could, you know, either have to have two tight ends or you can draft two tight ends is Blake Jarwin. Uh, he's fast. He's athletic. He got hurt in the first week of the season. And I just know that the Cowboys want to involve the tight end in their offense. And he had a connection with Dak. Uh, the year before, he had some big games. So that's another player that is going to be completely off the radar because his stats are going to show one catch with 12 yards. Uh, but he got hurt in the first week. And if he looks okay <clears throat> and he's able to be the starting tight end for the Cowboys next year, which I believe he will, that's a player that I'm going to be looking at as well that you'll be able to get for next to nothing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with that at all. He, you know, again, that's a potent offense, right? And, you know, we'll see how things kind of develop, the moving parts. You know, there's going to be lots of changes in the offseason between quarterback position. And the quarterback position is going to be very important to what happens to a lot of these tight ends as well, right? You know, we don't know where certain people are going to land, right? I think Goff will be okay, honestly, with a guy like Hawkinson. He had very good rapport with his two tight ends, depending on the offense that, that, um, that, the, that the Rams Rams, sorry, that the Lions end up running, um, but he's very used to playing with guys like you know with his tight ends and making sure that they get the ball. And Cooper Cup really is the patterns that he runs are very tight end esque um, in that Ram offense. So I think I think Goff and, and and at the end of the day, I think Goff and and, and uh, T.J. Hawkinson will be fine. Do we want to um, absolutely? Do we want to touch base quickly on kickers and defenses? Yeah, look, I don't have a lot to, to, to really add on specifics. I just think I, I want to just articulate that you really look need to look at situations because, you know, how how often – I think it's you have to look at offensive lines. Uh, when you get good offensive lines and you can kind of control the clock a bit, that impacts your defense, how they stay on the field, turnovers, all these kind of things. So when it comes to defense, I think we took careful looks at, at kind of how that played out. Look, the league is not kind. The rules for the NFL are not kind to, to defenses, right? And I think the one thing that we have seen um, is, is I, I will say, you know, looking at the schedule and kind of planning out your season, that's important, no question about it, although COVID was very disruptive for that uh, in this past year. But I think the one thing that continues to be very consistent is the start of the year ends up really, really hot for, for offenses, and then as the team as the year moves along and you start to gain recognition of kind of what teams are doing on offense and all that sort of thing defenses catch up and and defenses can be very strong to finish out season so i think you want to look very closely at kind of what happens at the defensive position i i, I look at a defense like believe it or not like the Carolina Panthers who had a tremendous amount of young talent that they used on that defense but actually played a lot better as the season went on. You know, they'll continue to add some pieces, but, you know, that's a defense, like if you ask me right here, right now, that's evolving as a defense because of the, you know, they drafted, what, seven, eight players, all of the defensive position this past year. So I think you got to take a lot of those different factors into account when you're looking at defenses. As far as kickers for me, you know, you want to look to those prolific offenses for sure. I think the one thing we, it seemed to me, this year, we had a rash of, of guys that were missing extra points on a more consistent basis. But at the end of the day, like 
The kickers, and Wiz has brought this point up many, many times, the coaches that are willing to put kickers out there to attempt these long kicks, and if your league gives points for those long kicks, those are guys that you have to really go for. And, you know, we saw that with guys like Koo this year who ended up being uh, a top three kicker. I mean, he was just sent out no matter what the conditions were um, to kick balls over 50 yards at all times. And I think those are important factors to consider at the kicking position. Yeah, so let me make a few points. Let me start at defense. Uh, the number one team in fumble recoveries, which is always an interesting one because it just seems like, you know, those are teams that have a knack. They're trying to knock the ball loose. They're paying attention. They're swarming to the ball. Carolina Panthers, 15 fumble recoveries on defense. That's just thing one. And going to the season, we talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks defense as – a defense that had, a, you know, it, it didn't necessarily show up in terms of wins and losses and dominating stats because they had a quarterback that was turning the ball over. They were in these wild games. It seems they, five minutes into every game they were down 14 nothing. They weren't in control of many games where they could rush the quarterback like they did in the Super Bowl and a lot of their games this year. And I think there's one team that fits the bill going into next season where they were good. But if they got themselves a quarterback and were in control of more games, they could be a top three defense. And I just want to get your thoughts on this. The Washington football team, where they're playing in these type of games and, you know, they're, they're, whether it's Haskins or you know Kyle Allen, they, they just were in very few games where they were just – ahead seven points ten points in the fourth quarter and that pass rush could go wild what do you think about if washington gets themselves a quarterback and they're in control of more of these games do you think that there's a parallel between the bucks from last year to this year with the Washington football team from this year to next year. Oh, yeah, no question about that. that. You know, we talked about that front seven a lot this year, and, uh, you know, you mentioned the inconsistencies. So so the, the, the earmarks or the, the barometers that, we, that you're using compared to the Bucks the previous year are, are bang on. And I think the young talent that they have up front – and I think they do have to add some – they probably need to add in, in that defensive backfield because if there's an Achilles heel, that's where it is. But I would have told you the same thing with the Bucks last year, and the Bucks made some changes, and the younger players came on, and they played better. So 100%, you are bang on in terms of a situation that parallels what happened to the Bucks in 2019, that that Washington football team, with the fact that they ended up playing four or five quarterbacks, uh, and at the end of the day, having that, having some – look, Alex Smith is a very – capable quarterback he's he's very safe quarterback now it's amazing his comeback what he did and he's not going to turn the ball over just because he knows how to play the position but but the rest of the stuff you know it, it, it was it was it was it was aces wild uh, every week with that Redskins quarterback position so I think you're bang on your assessment of the Washington football team defense yeah and another one of the defense and just going to talk and then I'm just going to talk for just a few seconds about kicker is uh, to me, that a defense that it will be completely forgotten about, but I think uh, I could see myself drafting them in a few weeks next year are the Patriots. Uh, again, 
ineptitude on offense. So if you combine the ineptitude offense and patch that up and improve that and can, you know, be a little bit more effectively on offense, combined with the fact that people forget that Patrick Chung and Deontay Hightower opted out, they'll be back next season. I'm just saying, I think that they'll be looked at a defense that's probably barely even ranked as a top 12 defense, maybe even not. I think that's a defense for very cheap that you could get that could could outperform uh, where they're valued at. Uh, so uh, those are the two defenses very, very early that I'm looking at for next season, the Washington football team and the Patriots. And just a few seconds on kicker. Um, I talked about this at length that – you know, if you look going into the season, who are the top rank? You know, this is always a good, you know, measuring stick. You know, go back and look and see who the ranked top ranked kickers were. And on every draft board at kicker, if you wanted to look, the top three guys were Justin Tucker, Harrison Butker, and Will Lutz. And only, only Justin Tucker finished, I think, inside the top ten or twelve even at the kicker position. Um, I think Justin Tucker has lost some value because, again, every fourth and one or yard and a half or two, it seems Lamar Jackson talks Harbaugh into going for it. Um, I don't. I just don't think he was, you know, getting the attempts uh, that that he was, you know, has been getting in the past. So I think his value. I think he becomes, you know, just a, you know, just one of these guys that are, yeah, top ten or twelve, but certainly not a guy that you have to take as your number one kicker. Um, Sanders, Young Haku. Um, Tyler Bass, some of these young kickers on some of these, you know, offenses uh, that really enjoy kicking field goals seem to bog down a little bit. Uh, not in the case necessarily of Tyler Bass, but man, that coach has no problem sending him out there for 50, 55, 58. He's got a cannon of a leg, and uh, it just goes to show you. Uh, you know, the, the, the kicker position can change quickly, and uh, there, there, there are things you need to analyze even at the kicker position. It matters in fantasy football. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think your points are well taken. San, I don't know if Sanders even – I think he might have missed only one – if I'm not mistaken, missed only one kick all year. I think he missed just a field goal. Uh, which I got to I got to take go back and look at it. I think for a while that was the case. He literally had yeah he yeah he 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 missed a couple. He was thirty six to thirty nine, thirty nine field goal attempts. Yeah, Koo from the from the from the Falcons thirty seven to thirty nine. I mean, yeah. um, Tyler Bass, um, Tyler Bass, you know, kicked four of four. Four field goals, four for six from over fifty yards. I mean, just in, in, incredible. And uh, you know, even um, you know, McManus was sent out there because of where they're playing for a ton of fifty yards. He was ten for fifteen from. 50 <laughs> that, that's unbelievable. Fifteen field goal attempts from fifty plus yards is outrageous. So if you're in a league and we're in one league where, you know, you're getting those big bonus points for fifty plus, I mean McManus is a is a is just a great kick and a half. So um now you wonder you, know, I, uh, you wonder with McManus, you know, again, you, we've spoken about Drew Locke. That situation I don't think is is 
a, a situation where you can guarantee that Drew Locke's going to be the quarterback this year. I, I don't know what ends up happening with, uh, you know, as we talk about carousels, right? But does it make a difference if, if you got, let's just, let's just throw an example out there. Let's say for some strange, ungodly reason that your prediction of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback for the Denver Broncos comes to, comes to be, uh, because the offense will automatically be more efficient, but they will be higher scoring. Uh, does that automatically raise a guy like McManus to a top five uh, kicker? Because you probably won't I be mean, kicking. I think, I, think, I think it has to. I think I think it definitely has to. Uh, you know, you always want a kicker that you feel like is going to be in the other team's red zone a lot. But I'm just going to tell you one more because I'm really just taking a good look at this for the first time. I, I got a, just an amazing stat. If you combine Jason Sanders, a young way crew of the Falcons, they were, you ready for this? 16 to 17 from 50 plus. That's a better percentage than almost every kick I had on extra points from 33 yards out. That I did not know. Uh, you know, I had Koo in two leagues, and I'm going to swear in one of the leagues that I had him in, he was definitely responsible for a, champ- <clears throat> for a championship. I actually saw a statistic um, you know they do these statistics uh, um, at the end of the season, uh, the most common denominators for players on championship teams. I think Koo might have been, the, he definitely was the highest one at the kicker position, but in terms of guys in the NFL that ended up being on fantasy uh, championship teams, I think Koo was actually ranked somewhere in the top five. That, that's how good he was as a kicker this year. Yeah, you only Koo. I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at his, I mean, it just his, the numbers were... Just, just outrageous. And like I said, Sanders and Koo combined 16 to 17 for 50 yards plus. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Is, is, an, is an amazing, amazing stat. But, uh, yeah, so it's an interesting position. I think there's research and stuff you have to consider, and you got to look at the coaches, and some of them will try a long field goal. Or some of them will prefer to go. So some of them, if they have an elite defense or a defense that they feel confident, will elect the punt and pin the other team back. So it's, you know, for these teams that want to make kickers irrelevant or their points the same or even not have kickers in the league, I think that's wrong. I think it's way off. I think it matters. I think it's important. And I think there's, there's research and there's information to be, you know, had in these um, in, 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 in these drafts when it comes to the kicker position. And uh, I just think it's uh, very interesting when the season's over where these top three or four kickers who were supposed to be drafted, where they ended up. So it just shows how interesting the position can be. Well, well said, Wiz. Uh, this is the place to go to to find all those uh, tasty nuggets. And uh, we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year. Uh, but this Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're going to be doing this all, all off season. We're preparing for 2021. So make sure you're still subscribed and listening. And uh, again, this has been a fun review. Uh, but this is the only place where you're going to hear good stuff like that. So well done, Wiz. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week with some more good stuff. So have a good one, everybody. Hopefully we'll have a guest on uh, uh, yeah. uh, upcoming soon. Yep, we're working on that too. We're working on a few guests. So all right, Wiz, enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much. You same.